Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast, brought to you by Kairos Partnerships and powered by Christianity Today. We're glad you're joining us. You may or may not know this, but Doug has been on sabbatical, but we're still releasing weekly episodes each and every week. Don't worry. Some of those you're going to hear that's just me. Some of those you've heard are just Doug. A lot of these we've recorded ahead of time, but we've got good news. We're live today with the man on sabbatical himself. Doug is joining us here. There has been a Sasquatch sighting. <laughs> Doug is here. Doug, you are on sabbatical, man. How are you doing? Oh, man. What a loaded question. It's good, <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you, buddy. Uh, yeah. Wow. How? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, boy. So I'm two weeks in. And the first week, I had just an amazing opportunity to uh, go to the Pennsylvania Mecca of fly fishing. Uh, surprise, I, surprise. Yes, yeah, surprise. Some of your sabbatical. Right. Doing some fly fishing. Right. But what was so fascinating is I didn't really fly fish all that much. I actually spent the week with a bamboo rod builder and uh, met this monk-like sage who has been building rods for 40-some years. And he just had me work in his shop with him for four days. And I had so much fun and just felt a lot of healing stuff take place in the midst of, uh, sanding and scraping and running hand planes and just drinking coffee with, uh, with the wise old sage. It was a real gift to me. That's great, man. I know a lot of people when they enter into sabbatical, especially a pastoral sabbatical where we're using mostly our heads and our hearts, mm -hmm. That it's really good to be able to use your hands. And I know that's a big priority for you. So what is that like shifting from using your soul and your heart and your head to, to move to using your hands a lot more? Why, why is that kinesthetic movement physically? Why is that? Uh, why has that been healing for you? Mm. I've, I've thought a lot about that, actually. Um, I've been journaling more. And, and one of the things that I wrote this past week was I, I think what it is for me is that when I use my hands and I put my my whole being into a project and there's a finished there's a finished product there's something that's just um man it it just feels like an accomplishment like I almost feel I feel as if I connect with when God created the heavens and the earth and at the end of the day said it was good it's almost like in that moment of just like seeing something completed is like that's not that's not a lot of work that we, we don't normally see the completed process. And oh. so, yeah, it was weird. Like um, there's so bamboo's interesting. It, it you know, it kind of has those joints. And so those joints are called nodes and, and I became the node man. So I was sanding nodes. And at one point in time for about 15 minutes, uh, you know, Jim left the shop and I'm sanding nodes, like bawling, like just tears uh. streaming down my face. And I'm like, Wow this is just a, a holy moment of realizing that like God's work is very similar. You know, there's just a lot of rough spots and joints and spaces where, you know, these, mm. <clears throat> these joints are actually are weak spots in the rods. And so when mm. you begin the sanding process, that's only the start. You sand the outside and the inside, you sort of bend, you bend the, the node towards this disc sander, or if you're scraping it, you do that and you do both sides. And then you take them and you scrape the bark off the whole, the whole little tiny stalk that has been cut. And then you take it and you heat it and you get it just to the point where it's almost on fire. 
and then you throw it into this vice and you press it down as hard as you can. And then, and it's kind of a double vice where it presses down and then it presses in and it just straightens it out. And those, and those fibers that are all loose, they get like stuck together in like a really powerful way. And that's when they actually become a strong point in the rod and not a weak point. And so like, clearly like, you know, that'll preach, preach, right? Like I'm sitting there like, you know, observing this whole thing, writing about all this stuff, just thinking through it and, and putting my hand to it and just realizing like, man, like, Lord, I, I just pray that my sabbatical is like the, you know, this process of the weak places becoming strong and realizing that it's really not about me. It's about the work of Christ in me. And mm. so I, there's just something about that that was like super, I mean, healing. Like I'm, I'm tearing up now thinking about <clears throat> just that process and, and those times and, um, and just sitting with, <laughs> with the guy, you know, like I've admired this guy's work for years. Like he's been one of my favorite rod builders and to actually like spend four days with them and get to know the man, the rods actually aren't that impressive anymore. It's the guy. And mm. like to hear the stories of generosity and the way he just looks to bless his neighbors and, you know, the way he, he loves his community and moved into kind of this small town to put a rod shop behind a bed and breakfast and just to <laughs> put out stuff for people. Like he's just a cool guy. So yeah, it's just, I think there's something about using your hands and putting your whole body into this process and seeing seeing uh what we would call the slow work of god and and that's the whole thing with bamboo rod building is it's just slow like it's not fast Mm -hmm. there's nothing it's all organic material um and everything we do is just manipulating this organic material by heating scraping grinding you know cutting it's like this dog will hunt you know uh so to speak and so i think there's just something there i'm actually heading back up in a week or so just just for a day just to help do some more node work and spend some time picking his brain, um, just hanging out for a little bit. So, yeah. That's wonderful, man. I, yeah. I, before we started recording, you also said you're, you're doing a lot of napping. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'll talk about your nap. <laughs> so week one was like, man, I shot out of that gate fast week two. It's like, I went from being super energized and excited to just sleeping all the time. Like JR, it is strange. Uh, I, uh, about, <sighs> Back in January, I actually uh, was diagnosed with sleep apnea. They put me on a CPAP machine and I've been sleeping great. I've been like waking up every morning, super refreshed for like three months. Right. And then this past week, uh, I, you know, Monday I wake up, I'm like, man, this is going to be a great week, dude. I took, I took a nap Monday. I took a nap Tuesday. I took two naps when two naps, Tuesday, two naps, Wednesday, a nap Thursday, a nap Friday. It's like you're, you're sounding like an infant, right? Exactly. It's like, <laughs> and then they burp me, and it's, it's like, dude. It's but this is what sabbatical is intended for, right? Yes. Yeah, you're shifting from have to to get to. Yeah, you get to take a nap. Yeah, you know, you don't have to take a nap. Mm. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm really glad you're doing that, man. That that is fantastic. Yeah, um, and and I feel like just the resting of 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 the body has been something that I, I I thought I was pretty well rested. Uh, when I was diagnosed with CPAP, I started seeing a holistic uh, like health doctor who started to help me to think through some different things and, you know, diets and food, you know, diet, not isn't like not eating, but like, what is my diet? Like, what's my food intake look like? So I've been like writing down everything, taking my blood pressure, 
And so even with that, I started a, a week ago with like this detox program or two weeks ago with a detox program. So I'm, I'm a vegan. Can you believe it? Like, what? yeah, right now for the next couple, for the next week, I'm a vegan. Which wow. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, that's, that's like a miracle in and of itself, man. I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. I'm cooking burgers for the family and I was like pounding a salad. I'm like, this is crazy. This is so crazy. But again, part of it for me is like, I really felt like the sabbatical is a place to see health restored and joy restored. Mm. And I, I don't think I've fully seen joy. Res- I mean, I think the, the restoration of joy and health are both going to take time. I don't feel like today is like, oh, I'm just ready. And I feel super joyful and I feel super healthy. It's like, I'm feeling healthier. I'm feeling a bit more joyful. But dude, like the whole napping thing, man, I don't get it. Like I'm trying to figure out like, why am I so freaking tired? (laughs) It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. Fascinating, man. And you also said that you're doing a lot of reading. I am. Tell us about that. (laughs) So I'm in, I just started, I started a week, two weeks ago, the Wing Feather uh, series, which is the, or Chronicles, which is the the children's books that Andrew Peterson put out. And uh, so I'm, almost done the first book and I cannot wait to start the second one. It is riveting. I've never been so drawn in. I haven't been drawn into reading like this in a a lot of years. I read, it's a discipline, but drawn in, man, like just can't wait to see what's going to happen with these nasty old fangs and what Janner and Tink and Lily are going to do next. It's so good. It is so good. (laughs) That's great, man. (laughs) Absolutely. So I, I want us to think, uh, reflect on the process because it was it's been a back and forth, stop and start for you, because this sabbatical's been a long time coming. So mm-hmm. I think for pastors that may say, "Oh man, Doug, everything that you're saying, I want that so badly." Mm-hmm. Um, what where do you begin that process? How far back? What does the what does the conversation look like with the elders? Do you bring it up? Do they bring it up? What is that process like for you and how did you plan? How did you know what to do months in advance of how to plan for a sabbatical? Yeah, great. Boy, those are some really good questions. Um, I think for me, it, it started when uh, actually the year you transitioned off staff at Renew, um, <clears throat> that following year, I think it was in December, I just started to feel like, man, I'm, I'm feeling a bit crispy like not not burnout just kind of like sort of my my empathy and compassion i'm just noticing kind of sinking a bit uh or i'm like crying at stuff that's just absolutely ridiculous or you know i'm getting super angry about something so it just felt like my emotions were a bit out of whack and i remember having a conversation with uh my co-pastor ben and ben just was like dude i think you need a sabbatical it's like that's probably not a bad idea and so ben mm-hmm. Ben ended up, um, you know, Ben said, is that all right if I pitch it to the elders? And I was like, yeah, that, that sounds great. And so, um, you know, he kind of mentioned it and then I chatted with the elders a bit, just what I was thinking and planning. And they encouraged me to look at, um, applying for a grant. And so I did, uh, that was an amazing process. Um, and it was through the Lilly foundation. Uh, it was a long process. It was about a month worth of work of just writing the application and having elders speak into it and having people from the church speak into it, uh, submitted it, and then just the waiting game. So we knew that I was going to be on sabbatical. 
in the summer of 2020. And I was waiting, you know, 2019 until August is when I would hear back. And so I submitted it in February. So it was quite the long waiting game. Remember, I came back from vacation, went to the church mailbox, found the letter. I was like, oh my gosh, here it is. I opened it up and said, you know, uh, Mr. Moister, you know, Reverend Moister, uh, we regret to inform you that, you know, we have not selected you for the sabbatical. And I just remember like driving home, coming into the house and just feeling like defeated heart. It felt like a rejection, like no other (laughs) in some ways. Yeah. And, um, I remember just, just like sobbing, like, you know, mayor hugging me and just sobbing together. And, and then I look and then I'm downstairs kind of working on some things and my son, Caleb comes down and he just hugs me and starts to ball. And it was like one of these most tender moments. And, but in that, I just realized that like, you know, God, like, uh, even though we don't get to do all this stuff that we're really excited to do, we still have this time together to be a family. And so it just, it helped sort of shift my brain. Well, I shared uh, some of that story with some friends in our church and um, back. So before the pandemic, so it would be January of 2020. um, You know, we were still on on target to take the sabbatical in 2020 uh, that summer. Um, And January 2020 rolls around and, uh, you know, just a normal Sunday gathering and um, to, you know, Lindsay Smith and Angela Illingworth stand up in front and Lindsay says, you know, we heard this story and we realized they don't know who you are. And so the church got together and was just, they blessed me with just an unbelievable gift for the sabbatical. And so, I mean, we were like, so yeah, we cried a lot that day. Just, we felt seen and heard, loved by our community. Um, and we were pumped. And then March 13th happened. <laughs> and like, it was very shortly after the pandemic set in that we just, I remember going to the elders and just saying, this is not, this isn't the right, this would not be right for me to enter sabbatical with, with this thing, with just the uncertainty of what's happening. And so we said, okay, well, you know, let's pause it. Let's put the pause button on that. And so we did. And so I, I waited a, a whole nother year and, um, and in that, it, it's been a really good process um, of of waiting. I think even in that, like, I probably would say that the sabbatical that I had planned through the Lily was was a lot more adventure and fun and learning, opposed to this one that just feels like this is actually what I needed uh, to rest, to be mm-hmm. quiet, to be still, to be home, to just have a lot of space. And we will do some traveling. Um, you know, originally we were going to use the money to go to, to that the church gave us to, to Scotland and England and visit some really like historic places for my family uh, and for my wife's family. And um, we, yeah, with COVID, we just decided even this year, even if it was an option, we're like, it's just not the right timing. Um, mm. And so we switched gears. We're uh, in, in, in some ways it was kind of nice because now towards the end of my sabbatical, we have a couple of weeks on a lake in Maine, um, which happens to be a really good fishing area as well. Um, but we've got kayaks there at this at this this little uh, this vacation rental house, and we've got paddle boards and just like fun stuff that we can do as a family. Um, and so, in some ways, it was just like the whole process of like talking with the elders and realizing how blessed I am to have elders that not only support but encourage that in us. Um, I mean, I remember when when we 
you know, pitched the idea for you to go on sabbatical. It was like, it wasn't even a question with their elders. Like, absolutely. Like, yeah, we, we need to do this like quickly, uh, you know, or we like, we need to honor JR in that way. And so, yeah, I think, you know, all those different things have just been such an interesting journey. And even just, I've been reflecting on it, even I'm just talking about it. It's like God's timing is really beautiful in this. And yeah, like, dude, the coming to the end of it. And I, you know, I was just talking to some friends from the Ecclesia network, uh, who are coming to the end, getting ready to start their sabbatical. And I think most pastors when they're getting ready are tired and, and need it. But in this year, they're like super tired and need it even more. So if you're like one of those pastors who's getting ready for sabbatical and you just feel like you have a big case of the, I don't cares. And I just need to get out of this. Like that's normal. <laughs> I think that's really normal for the season. Yeah. Wow, man. And, you know, one of the things as you're talking about, um, you know, that fe- feeling even the first few weeks and sleeping a lot and crying, um, you know, is the word that comes to mind is detox, which is m- something that my coach uh, mentioned to me. Um, he's helped about 50 pastors prepare, lean into experience and then come out of sabbatical. And, uh, and I was like, detox? I was, I said, I, I mean, I, I remember back in 2015 when you all as elders came to me and said, hey, we want to offer you a sabbatical. And I was like really caught off guard. And I said, like, thank you. But like, I'm not, I'm not exhausted. I'm not tired. I'm not burned out. I'm not discouraged. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, we, you know, we still want you to, to go on sabbatical. And again, I was appreciative. I just didn't think it applied to me. I, I wasn't burned out. I wasn't, you know, wasn't toxic. Um, but man, um, they, you know, I'm really glad the elders pushed back and said, we just still want to bless you all and make sure that you rest and pray and play to just be with no expectations. And we want you to be in this for the long haul. Um, and so, yeah, accepted the offer um, for a sabbatical, which is great. Um, again, never had one before. I know a lot of denominations require it every seven years. Some pastors maybe listening, Doug, are like, I would love that. Yeah. I, if I brought that up, they'd look at me like, why would you need a sabbatical? Yeah. Uh, lawyers and bankers and business people and teachers, they don't get sabbaticals, you know? And so uh, some would argue teachers do, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, uh, I, I remember going to, uh, I was telling you this before we, we started recording, but my sabbatical coach, my, my leadership coach, uh, he said, JR, the first two weeks, you're going to sit down on the couch and after five minutes, you're going to try to get up and you won't be able to get up. Mm-hmm. And you're going to think, what's wrong with me? I need to call the doctor. I have mono. And he said, don't freak out. This is normal. And I looked at him like, I, again, I'm not tired. I'm not burned out. I'm fine. Like I'm, I'm going to enjoy this, but gosh, you know, the thing is he was completely wrong. Mm. I sat on the couch for three minutes and then couldn't get up. <laughs> mm. And so, in other words, he was spot on. And I, I started to think, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I need to call the doctor. I physically cannot get up off this couch. And, uh, and I remember when I had asked him, like, so if that happens, what should I do? He said, take a nap every day for the first few <laughs> weeks. Just take a nap. And I thought, I said, no, I haven't taken a nap since I was in college. Mm. And he said, do it. What do you, what else, what are you rushing to get to? You have nothing to do. It's sabbatical. Like just take a nap. And, uh, and I did. And oh my gosh, those were the like hardest naps. I think like just sleeping so hard and soundly every afternoon for those first few, few weeks. Mm. And I went back to him and I said, why is that? Like, why, how did you know that? 
How did you know I would do that? And he said, you're like every pastor. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you need a detox. I said, detox implies addiction. He said, yes, <laughs> you are addicted to adrenaline. Dang. And it's been so normalized in your life as a pastor, you don't even realize you're addicted to it because it's so normal. You've been doing it for years. And he said, the addiction of adrenaline is also a legal drug in the United States. You won't be arrested for it. In fact, unfortunately, you're praised for it if you're hooked on that drug. And I said, wow. He said, you're just addicted to adrenaline. You're just going to have to detox and your body has to detox. It has to be broken down in you, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. And I call it the twitch where like there were times where I'm like, I got to check my phone. I got to get to a meeting probably. I need to check my schedule. And it was like, no, I don't. No, I yeah. don't. And it took a good month to sort of get that twitch out of my body. Um, so. Yeah, I didn't have mono. I doubt you have mono. You just are normal. You're a normal pastor. This is what normal's like. <laughs> yeah, and we don't know we're addicted to adrenaline until we cut off the tap. Yeah. And then our body starts acting all weird. Our soul starts feeling weird things. We start thinking weird things. And so that's, you know, just completely normal. And one of the things that my coach talked about is he said the process is threefold and we actually planned it that way. He said the first two to three weeks, and they're all ours, which is easy to remember. But he said the first two or three weeks is just rest and recovery. Mm. And meet with the counselor the first week of sabbatical, JR. He said, just sleep in, rest, go to bed early, take a nap daily, hang out by the pool by yourself, because mine was during the summer. And I just would rest and recover. And then he said that next phase for the next eight weeks, mine was three months. He said the next eight weeks is reflection and refocus. So connect with your coach, reading and journaling, listening to podcasts, further reflection, you know, just sitting down with a journal, journal and a Bible for a few hours every day. And then that last week or two of sabbatical, he called it realignment and reassignment uh, to meet again with a counselor in the final week. And then also to realign, like, what have I learned? What has God given to me? How does this, what implications does this have as I enter back into sabbatical? So those three phases were incredibly helpful uh, for me as kind of a framework for how to how to couch my three months. You have four months, which is terrific. And yeah. looking back, that's my regret is yep. that people recommended you should take minimum four months sabbatical. I'm like four months, three months is going to be fine. But looking back, what I realized it was one month of detox and only two months of sabbatical. I didn't really start resting till month two. So mm. you're here just two weeks in. I wouldn't be surprised if you're still detoxing for another couple of weeks, yeah. then feeling rested and the twitch is gone to then be able to actually have three months of true rest. So yeah. I don't know. But each sabbatical is different too. I mean, there's no one size fits all, but that framework of rest and recovery, reflection and refocus, uh, realignment and reassignment have been really helpful. So I'm really grateful for my coach giving those to me. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that is such a, a helpful rhythm of even to, I think and honestly, JR, the hardest thing was giving myself permission to just yeah. sleep. Because it's like there is this internal thing that just says, Oh, you you know, you you gotta be awake, you gotta be ready. There's yeah. you know, there's something that's you should, coming. you must, you you have to. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's I mean, I could pop up my calendar right now and if this was like a month ago, I'd be appalled. I'd be like, wait a minute, what in the world is happening? And it's like, oh, that's a sabbatical calendar. There's like 
two things on it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. and like even, even, um, you know, one of the, the first, actually I did this before I even entered sabbatical about three weeks beforehand, I took my email off my phone and like, just realizing, man, I'm like Pavlov's dog. Like as soon as I pick up my phone, usually the first thing I do is check my email. And now that it's not on there, it's like, Oh, I don't really need my phone. Like I use it to listen to music now or like to check, you know, to listen to the, this amazing podcast called, you know, Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. <laughs> I think I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it before. Um, but yeah, I think uh, there's just something that's so important to just have that. <clears throat> and, and this is why vacations don't really work for us, right? As pastors, right? right? Because usually by the end of that week, you're like, ah, oh, man, I feel like I'm on vacation now. It's time to come home. But in reality, it's just, yeah, I, I, and I just keep thinking too, like how do, you know, what is it, what is happening internally? Like even just with my body in this, like, yeah. you know, cause you mentioned adrenaline and, and I, I think that's what it is. I think my body's just so addicted to being on all the time where it's like, I'm almost anticipating that next phone call. And that's the thing. Like what I noticed yeah. is I got a phone call from, um, from a friend of mine uh, just like a couple days ago. And, and my first thought is what's wrong. Right. And I realized like, holy smokes, normally that is my first thought when, when I get a phone call or text message, it's like, what's wrong. And I'm like, who, like who lives that way? Like, why should I live that way? It's so funny you say this, Doug, because just this morning I read a tweet by, uh, Dan White Jr. And he, this was his tweet. And I think you can relate. I think our listeners can relate. And this is why sabbaticals are needed. Because there are so many people that say, well, I love a sabbatical. I don't get a sabbatical. And, and I know they're being funny a little bit and maybe even curious, maybe a little, a little jab. But what I want to say to them is, buddy, when you go home at 5 p.m. from your job, you're able to leave it there. Pastors yeah. can't. Yeah. When you go home on Friday, you're off until Monday morning. Pastors can't. And, and I guess when people say like, you know, I'm a pastor, you know, and other people are off duty. Like, when am I not a pastor? Right? Like I pastor when I'm at home, I pastor my neighborhood. I pass. So when am I off? I'm not off. This is the first time you get a chance to be quote unquote off the clock yeah. uh, in a long time. There, one guy said like, I just needed to go to Lowe's to pick up a pipe. And for an hour, I'm now doing marital counseling in the aisle of the piping section and going, <laughs> Gosh, like when I can't even just go do a home improvement project to Lowe's and back, you know? Yeah. Like anyway, all that to say, that sounds bad. Pastoring is great, but this is why pastors need a break. But just like you were talking, like what's wrong, you know, with the phone call, this is Dan White Jr.'s uh, tweet. He said, I'm still healing. I did the emotional math. Invitations to dinner and coffee three to four times a year over a 20 year span only to be blindsided that I'm a disappointment as a pastor and a person gives you social anxiety that every overture to connect is a setup to be attacked verbally. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. read that again because yeah, I please. think there's a lot of pastors. <laughs> I know that's a lot. There. I'm laughing, but I'm crying on the inside. Yeah. yeah. He said, I'm still healing. I did the emotional math. Invitations to dinners and coffees three to four times a year over a 20 year span only to be blindsided that I'm a disappointment as a pastor and a person. It gives you social anxiety that every overture to connect is a setup to be attacked verbally. This is why we need sabbaticals. Yeah. It isn't just time, like on the clock. Yeah. It's the emotional toll and wear 
that's there. And a lot of our listeners are saying, yes, I agree. Um, and, uh, you know, and we're really grateful, Doug, you and I had uh, elder teams that were very supportive of this. And I feel for the pastor that knows he or she needs a sabbatical, but is fearful to go to the elders and say, oh, well, if you just don't like this church, maybe you should go to another church then. If you think you need a break, like, are we not paying you enough? Will you just, are you complaining? And, and I may be a little bit, you know, overplaying it here, but I'm actually not because these are real stories of people who've told me I feel stuck or I, in all vulnerability, I went saying, I'm tired. I got to go, you know, uh, take a break. And they said, no, no, you got to keep going. Who's going to do Well, who's going to help us if you're not here? So, um, you know, I found that, you know, sabbaticals are a gift, a tool and a mirror. They're a gift because it allows not just you, but your whole family, Doug, to rest. Mm. You know, we haven't talked much about your family, but this is a gift for you all as a family. Yeah. It's also a tool to help us unhinge from the detox, to rest, to give perspective, but it's also a mirror. And I mean that because we've talked about the bread truck test uh, on this. This is a forced, temporary, healthy bread truck test for pastors when they go on sabbatical to say, hey, is the church going to fall apart for three or four months, even though we're planning and it's a good thing and it's healthy for me to be gone? How are we doing? So it kind of gives us a mirror, a little bit of a report card of the health of our own leadership and pastoring too, uh, for every pastor, which is good. And uh, so uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, one of the things that I found so helpful in my sabbatical was uh, I'm not good at doing this naturally, which is where sabbatical put training wheels for me, is learning to enjoy to delight, to relish, to savor things, whether it's meals or nature or whatever. It sounds like you are delighting with the fly, you know, with fly rod making, which is awesome. Yeah. And delighting in naps. What, I know you're only two weeks in, but what do you anticipate? You know, you mentioned going to Maine and delighting up there. I know you yeah. will. What are some other ways that you have, or you will, or you, maybe you currently are delighting, savoring, enjoying, relishing in this season? Great. Yeah. So three things. Um, I built a fire pit the week before we, before sabbatical started with my family. And that has been our place of delight and relish. And so we try to have one as much as we can. Um, so we've had, I think, three or four since, we've start, since I've started. So two a week is kind of where we're at at this point. Um, my mayor and I have sort of instituted date night or date day. Uh, sometimes Mayor gets off of work early and we'll go, we've gone to, uh, we, we, we went to Chipotle last week, which is just so good to get the food, sit on the back of my truck and just talk. Uh, it was awesome. Um, and then with my kids, uh, we've, been, we've been fishing or hiking or both on Sundays. And so that's been really cool just to have that time and space with my kids to just to connect um, and just to route like and taking pictures. Like I, I think I forgot the importance of taking pictures. So I'm trying to, I, I not trying, I am taking pictures each week of just different things that I have found that have just brought me a great joy or has been just something that I'm noticing about my kids and, and just writing about those things. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, that's one of the things when pastors say, hey, how do I prepare for a sabbatical? I would say, what do you love to do? Yeah. Write those down. Do those. Because if you love to do them, they are not duty. It's not a chore. Right? You're not going, oh, I guess I have to go fishing today. Right? Yeah. Like you never yeah. say that. Right? So find out the things you love. 
delight in those, go do that. You know, what are the meals you enjoy? What are yeah. the hobbies you enjoy? Who are the people you enjoy spending time with? Yeah. And, and you've really arranged that well, which is fantastic. So let me flip that a little bit and ask this. You have any fears about sabbatical? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I, I've noticed the fear creep in when I when I bypass books on church and theology and pick up kids' books for entertainment. Like, oh. man, what if I what if I don't know what's happening? I think there there are moments where, and this is actually a, a good thing. I don't find myself really freaked out. Like, is my church going to miss me? Um, but I think sometimes that does creep in like, man, what if I like, what if no one recognizes me? You know? And I like, that just feels silly. Um, I think too, like just not being needed is it's a weird double-edged sword. Like that's kind of scary to be, to think yeah. that most of my life I feel very needed. And now all of a sudden I'm not <laughs> like, it's mm-hmm. kind of a scary space to be. Um, and I, I could, I can imagine certain pastors feeling like, man, you know, is the church still going to be there when I get back? Um, and I think the gift is for us, you know, having been, you know, pastoring and, and we brought on Aubrey and, you know, we brought on Ben when JR was on sabbatical and yeah. you know, that was just such a gift. And, um, but I think knowing that our elders and our leadership team is like solid and in place really helps alleviate that fear. Um, but yeah, I, I think too, and this is like, this is probably raw. Uh, and the one thing I know is I'm not making any, dis- I will not make any hard decisions or big decisions at least, you know, for a year after my sabbatical. But part of me is like, what if I fall in love with not being a pastor? Like that scares me um, mm. because I, I love being a pastor. Um, and I think, you know, some of those things are, those are the, yeah, those are the fears that I would say I'm, Yeah just struggling with. And even just a fear of like, man, I, I feel like the fear of not being useful is like, uh-huh. it's, it's a real thing. Like I'm kind of scared the fact that I'm two weeks in and I'm already starting to feel like, well, what can I, you know, who do I need to help or what can, and just realizing like nobody, like I have to mm-hmm. like talk, I have to like spiritually direct myself to say, I don't have Jesus healed, you know, called disciples, began the discipling process with those, you know, those people healed a man with leprosy and then let wet into the wilderness. Like he started his ministry in the wilderness for 40 days for over a month after he is called, he is out doing nothing. He is out intentionally being alone and like intentionally being off the grid. And so Jesus gives me credence. He rests and goes away and prays a lot more than what I, what, than what I have seen in the past. And those are the passages that I find myself really drawn to in this season too. That's great. Yeah. I remember those fears and no one prepared me for those fears. Everyone's like, that's great. You're going to have fun. You're going to rest. You're going to, and that's, you're going to reflect. Jesus is going to meet you. All things that were true, but no one prepared me for, I think I had several uh, that I was only able to name during and maybe even after one was, I just feared people would, I would be misunderstood that people would just wouldn't understand what I'm doing. Um, I also feared that I'd regret it at the end because I didn't utilize it well. Like, I think there was this pressure of like, I've only got three months and I got to make sure I, you know, these don't come every year. I've got to make the most. Um, I also feared that the loneliness that I would feel lonely and excluded that people would leave us so far alone that they wouldn't want us back. And then I also fear the other side that we couldn't break away from people's needs because people won't leave us alone. So it was this fear of like, don't leave me alone too much, but leave me alone. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That was that hard balance. 
Um, and uh, I'm grateful that most of those fears never resulted into anything. But I was more fearful during sabbatical than I imagined. It's very insecure. Yeah. Um, and I wish I had just like kind of calmed some of those voices a little bit more. So, um, yeah. So, Doug, just as we're kind of landing the plane here, uh, what advice? Any? I, mean, I know you're early, and we'll do some check-ins some more, you know, yeah. throughout sabbatical. But what advice would you have for the pastor that's listening that may be saying, "Oh, I had a sabbatical; it was great. I agree. I'm thinking about another one because I'm I've been in ministry so long. It's kind of my ne-. or someone that has never had a sabbatical, maybe hasn't even thought seriously about a sabbatical, and maybe this conversation is making them say, "You know, maybe it's time." Any advice you'd have for them? Um. I think, I think one of the biggest pieces is as you begin that process of, of discerning the sabbatical with your elder team or your leadership team or whatever, um, get a counselor or a spiritual director. And the second thing is in your network. So if, if you're a denomination or a network of pastors, send out an email to the network leader and say, who's going on sabbatical and begin to w- begin to love and develop relationships with those that are going to be journeying in that same season with you. Because there's, I mean, you know, I've got Kevin and Steve, uh, and, um, there's two other guys. There's one other guy. I can't remember, uh, Paul Hill. Um, the three of us, the four of us are on sabbatical, uh, overlapping at times. And we've been chatting throughout the, the last year and a half. And it's just been really good to have a group of people with me who've been kind and gracious and get me in this season. So, and yeah, and like, it, you know, uh, I'm going to be hopefully hooking up with two of the three during the sabbatical just to hang out. And we've been texting and, you know, checking in back and forth and stuff like that, which has just been a real gift. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Doug, I'm so glad we had a Sasquatch sighting here today. <laughs> so glad we could see you. So glad you're on sabbatical and that you're resting and delighting and and uh, using your hands and making bamboo rods, and uh, which is just awesome. So. You know, just as we close here, I, I'd love for you to give us a blessing, even though I know you're supposed to be off duty right now in terms of your pastoral uh, responsibilities. But I, I, is that something you'd be willing to do in a minute? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah great. Sure. Well, and before we do that, there are a few um, resources that I just, uh, it's kind of flooding back to me, some of the resources that were really helpful for me during sabbatical. So for if you are listening and you're thinking about going on sabbatical or you're scheduled to go on sabbatical, maybe you're on sabbatical right now, here are a few books that I remember reading that were incredibly helpful. Uh, I'm a big Wendell Berry fan, and mm. there's a book called This Day, which is a collection of poems that he wrote on every Sabbath, on every Sunday, uh, for years and years and years, and then collected. So This Day by Wendell Berry is a great one. Uh, Sabbath as Resistance by Walter Brueggemann is a fantastic one to read if you're thinking about it. Um, just again, it's sabbatical, but Sabbath as Resistance, just as the importance of rest and what that does. Um, and then I remember, you know, I, I don't read much fiction. I'm glad you're reading. You're reading more fiction right now, Doug, than I've probably read in my life. Uh, <laughs> but I remember reading Wendell Berry's novel, Jaber Crow, uh, and finding that to be an incredible sabbatical book. Several people had recommended that, which is great. Alan Fadling, who we, we've had on the podcast, wrote a book, The Unhurried Life, which was incredible during sabbatical. And then lastly, a, one I had never heard of before by Belden Lane uh, is The Solace of Fierce Landscapes. My, my friend, oh, yeah. uh, Tom Smith, 
uh, in South Africa actually uh, recommended the solace of fierce landscapes, which I remember reading in Reading Terminal Market. I, I took the train down. Uh, I literally sat in Reading Terminal Market all day until it closed and then came home. Like, I sat there, read a book, got hungry, ate some amazing Mediterranean food, came back, read some more, then had lunch, then had amazing dessert. And I just delighted in eating food all day and enjoying time at Reading Terminal Market in Center City, Philly. But mm -hmm. that book was amazing. So anyway, Doug, as we close, you give us a blessing as we go. Yeah. <sighs> Brothers and sisters, as you go, may you be reminded that you are loved, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. May you know that the God who created you longs to get away with you. That it not, did not create you to work seven days a week. He did not create you to be someone who is known for the bricks that he produces or she produces on a daily basis. But one that revels in the fact that he or she is a beloved son or daughter of God. <laughs>